Well, again, one more time, welcome. Welcome to our Facebook family that's joining us now. And uh, we are about to start a new series this morning. I'm very excited about it. But before we get too far into that, I have a confession to make to you. I love math. Like, no, like seriously, I really, really, really love math. Like when I was going to high school, like algebra, geometry, calculus, those things excited me. I, I love seeing complex formulas and just trying to wrap my mind around what it would take to figure them out. Now, I've unfortunately have not continued to hone my love for math. And so at this point, I probably couldn't tell you the difference between a cosine or a street sign, but, um, but, I, but I still love math. And um, it, are, are there any other math geeks in the room? You, you would be willing to admit with me, okay, a few people raising your hand. Okay, I have a test. I have a test right now to find out whether you are really a math geek or not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something on the screen, and I will know if you're a math geek by how loudly you laugh at this. So... Okay, I'm, seeing, I'm hearing some giggling, I'm hearing some snickers. So if you can't read that, you're actually on the bottom list. So ju just so you know that. Uh, what, what it, what it, how it should read is there are only two types of people in this world. Those who understand binary code and those who do not. Okay, some more people are laughing awesome. Uh, by the way, one zero is two in binary. Are we all on the same page now? Oh, okay. All right. Now, now, we're, now we're laughing. Awesome. Okay. So, so now I got a few more math nerds in the room with me. I'm so excited that you're here this morning. Thank you for joining us. And, um, and really, again, I love math. And when I was in Montana, I used to be a minister at the University of Montana, and I had a good friend that attended there. And he was actually studying complex mathematics while he was at uh, U of M. And we one of the things when we would talk, I asked him one time, why? Why have you chosen to pursue this? Because like, what are you going to do with this? And he wasn't really sure. And I said, so why are you in the program? And his answer was, math is beautiful. And so I pushed him on it a little bit. What, what do you mean math is beautiful? And he said, there's always an answer. That no matter what problem is presented to you mathematically, there's always a solution. And sometimes it's very difficult to get to the solution, but somewhere hidden in the equation, there is a solution. And so that's one of the reasons why he believed that math is beautiful. And, and I like math because, just again, show you what I love about it, is I love the fact that the teachers would force you to show your work. That when you were in math class, it wasn't enough just to have the right answer. You had to prove how you got the answer. You had to show your work. And so this series, what we're going to be looking at, it's a series called Prove It. And we're going to be looking at how our lives need to balance. How our lives need to be able to show the world that we are truly Christians. It's not enough for you to say, I'm a Christian. It's not enough for you to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. You have to show your work. You have to be able to somehow put something on the other side of the equation to let people know you truly believe what you say you believe. 
And so today, for part one, we're going to talk about balancing the equation. I want you to learn how to balance the equation of your faith. And and I'm just going to warn you in advance, if you are a very astute Bible student, like you have a Bible that's bigger than... I don't know, a brick truck? I don't, I don't know. If you're one of those people that carry around commentaries wherever you go, this series is going to be, or at least today, I'm hoping it's going to get a little deeper through the series. Today's going to be very basic. We have to set the foundations. You, you can't do algebra if you can't add one plus one. And so we're going to start today with, with kind of just the basics of faith. But through the series, we're going to build on this, and we're going to hopefully help you be better equipped to prove your faith, to prove that this really is the gospel, that this really is good news. And so if, if you're in here and you don't believe this, or you're watching online and you don't believe what we are talking about today, first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. But secondly, I hope you will take what we learn here and actually apply the proofs. Do the work, the diligence to work these things out and see if we got the right answers. Because maybe we don't, but maybe we do. And and I believe truth can stand to be questioned and lies need to be questioned. And so today, I put the challenge out. Prove it. Prove that this is true. Take the time, look it through, and find out for yourself. Through this series, we are going to be going through the book of 1 John. 1 John is an ancient letter written to the early church. It was written probably about 50 years, 40 to 50 years after Jesus Christ had died, had been raised from the dead, and had ascended into heaven. And so John, who was arguably Jesus' best friend while Jesus was on earth, wrote this letter to a group of churches that were beginning to question, is this real? Are the things we believe really real? There were a lot of people trying to teach that Jesus didn't really come, that it was just a ghost, it was just a spirit. They were trying to teach that Jesus didn't have a physical body. There was all sorts of false teachings. And so this letter is John trying to help people understand we can prove. We can prove that Jesus really lived, that he really died, and that he really rose from the grave. And so that's why we're going to take some time over the next seven weeks to look at this and and to ask the question, how, how do we balance the equation? How do we look at what we see here, apply it to our lives in such a way that we actually live better lives? So with that said, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to start by reading 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Again, if you're able to, if you're comfortable, go ahead and stand. If you're watching online, uh, you feel like standing up for the reading of God's Word, we'd appreciate that. But, but let's, let's go ahead. I'll read this as we look at what John opens his letter with. This again, 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4, reading out the New Living Translation. And this is how it reads. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This is the one who is life itself, was revealed to us, 
and we have seen him. Now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to worship Jesus, to recognize him as Lord, and to apply his life-giving truth to our lives. I pray today that as we spend time looking at this letter sent by one of Jesus' closest friends, that we would have a better understanding of what it is to boldly proclaim the truth of who you are. Jesus, we love you, and we pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to a couple people, just wave, let them know that you are glad to be worshiping with them today, and then you can find your seats. If you're online, make sure you send a little praise emoji or wave your hands at us. Let us know you're worshiping with us today. We want to make sure that we know you're here. And so right at the beginning, I'm going to give you my main idea. I I want you to understand this is why we are doing this. We, We want you to understand through this message today that Jesus Christ really lived, that that he really existed, and that he really has the power to bring about change in your life. But we have to have that foundation, that belief that Jesus Christ is real. And so that just the idea that we can have a relationship with him and that relationship changes the way we live. And so the first thing that I want you to see as a church, as a movement, as a part of being the Christian family, we believe that we proclaim Jesus. Again, I know this is simple. If, you, if you've been around church for a while, this should just be foundational. But unfortunately... I feel like some churches, obviously not ours, and not, not any in our community. We've got great churches in our community. But I've heard there's churches out there that they're more concerned about what's happening in the world today. They're, they're more concerned about proclaiming their views on the pandemic. They're more concerned about their views on this issue or that issue. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have concern. I'm not saying we shouldn't have platforms that we care deeply about. But when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ, our number one proclamation needs to be Jesus and Him crucified and Him raised from the dead. And we do that because that's what the people closest to Him did. That's what the people who knew Him the best spent their lives doing, proclaiming the truth of Jesus. Again, John, his closest friend on earth, had this to say at the, at the very first verse. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. He, he wasn't saying that 
Jesus was just this really great teacher. He wasn't saying that Jesus just did some great miracles. He wasn't even just saying that Jesus died and rose from the dead. This simple statement right here, John is acknowledging that Jesus is God. That he existed from the beginning. And it's interesting, John wrote several of the books you will find in the Bible. And one of them is a book called John. I know, it's, it's profound how, uh, how original he was with naming some of his books. But uh, actually, he didn't name it. Somebody named it later, the book of John, because it's his account of what happened during the life of Jesus. And he begins this gospel recording with uh, words that sound very similar to what he writes in this letter. In John 1.1, 1, 1, he says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In this word he is speaking of, as you keep reading, he's talking about Jesus. He's making the bold declaration that Jesus Christ is God. And that's what we proclaim. We don't just proclaim he was a good guy. We don't just talk about his great teachings. We don't just mention the miracles. Jesus Christ is God, and we worship him as that. He is the foundation of our faith. He is the one that we place all things underneath. He is the one that we build our relationship around. We go to Christ. We experience his forgiveness. We walk in fellowship with him. And that's the Christian life. We proclaim Jesus. But why? Okay, this is like the equation, right? We want to balance the equation. Jesus is Lord, is on one side of the equation. How do we balance it? What do we do on the other side to say we can stand that this is truth? Well, the first thing that I see just from this passage here that helps us to balance the equation is we proclaim what was seen and heard. We're not just proclaiming fairy tales. We're not just proclaiming myths. We are proclaiming what was actually seen, what was actually heard. As a matter of fact, I'm here to stand in front of you this morning and assert that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most provable events in all of antiquity. There is more evidence to support his existence his life, his ministry, his death and resurrection than there is to support almost any other historical figure in the history of the world. And we have it in large part because there were people close to him who saw these things happen, who verified them, who used names of people who were even against the movement and who could have contradicted their testimonies, but they didn't. Again, a couple of really strong verbs jump off the page of what we just read. John says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have seen, or we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. 
This is the one, this one is life itself, who is revealed to us, and we have seen him. We now testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. John is saying, I saw Jesus. I hung out with Jesus. I'm the one who leaned on his shoulder during the Last Supper. I'm the one who was there as he was being crucified. And as he was dying, I was the one comforting his mother. I was the one that while Jesus was on the cross, he looked down at me and said, Son, look upon your daughter, commissioning me to take care of his own mother. He's saying, I was the one who ran, who outran Peter. John, John is very clear in his gospel. He was the one who got there first. Most other people talk about Peter went there, but John's like, I beat him. I was actually faster than Peter. I got there first. And so he says, I, I was there. I saw the empty tomb. I, I was there when the angels appeared. I was there when Jesus came into the room, a locked room. He just appeared there. I was there when he ate a piece of fish. I know he really ate it. It's a really weird part of the book of Luke, but he actually says, I'm hungry. They give him a piece of fish. He eats it right there in front of him. But he's saying, I saw these things with my own eyes. I touched him with my own hands. I'm the one who recognized him on the seashore. I've seen these things. I've heard these things. And he's saying, all the other apostles... We're just telling you what we have seen and heard. And the truth is, their lives bear it out. The lives of the early apostles are, to me, one of the greatest testimonies that Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead because all of them died for proclaiming it. All of them could have been spared death if they said, you know what, we just made it up. We were trying to pull a big prank on the people of Israel, and so we made this up. But they didn't. All of them died for their faith, and many others. These people show us that this is real. Many people have tried to disprove it. Many people with more degrees behind their name than intelligence in their head have tried to take on the Gospels and say that this never happened. But the people who take it seriously, who actually follow the evidence, who actually use proper scientific and historical methods, can show us Jesus really did exist. He really did die. And he really did raise from the dead. Probably in our times, one of the most famous of those people is a man by the name of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, I believe. And he, his wife, accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord, and he was furious. He felt like she had been brainwashed. He felt like she had 
join some kind of cult. And so he made it his life's mission to disprove Christianity. He went to historical records. He went to people who knew. He went to scientific findings. And at the end of the day, he ended up accepting Jesus Christ. He said, it was the evidence from science and history that prompted me to abandon my atheism and become a Christian. The thing is, the, the proof is out there. Bob is going to, we're going to try to get together and have a, a class here in the next couple of weeks, probably sometime next month, uh, called the Truth Project, where if you want to see some of these pillars that are there, some of these things, it'll be a great opportunity to kind of get around some other people and flesh this thing out and try to figure out, is this really true? Again, if it's the truth, it can stand to be questioned. If it's a lie, it has to be questioned. But people have questioned it for over 2,000 years, and it still stands up. And so one of the ways we balance the equation is because we recognize this is something that has been seen and heard, that there's accurate records, that there are trustworthy sources, there are scientific findings to back up his life death, and resurrection. And another thing I believe that helps us to balance the equation is we proclaim for your joy. One of the most powerful parts about the Christian life is not just that we believe something that's true. Lots of people believe truth. Lots of people believe things that are fundamentally sound. But their life doesn't look any different. One of the proofs of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is how it changes the believer. If you're in this room, I hope you can talk about a time where you accepted Christ as your Lord, where you came to him as someone broken, someone who was far from God. You invited him into your life, and your life changed. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But there was something that happened in that moment that changed you. And now you're different. You have a different kind of joy. You have a different kind of hope. You have a different kind of perspective of the, on the things that are going on in the world around us. And if you don't have that, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept him to respond to that gospel, to, to take and believe the things that you have seen and heard. And allow that joy to be upon you. That's one of the reasons why John wrote so many letters. Why he wrote so much of the Bible. He wanted people to understand this because he wanted that same joy for them. Matter of fact, he says as much in verse 4. We have written these things so that you may fully share our joy. He's saying, you don't have to have actually been there. You don't actually have to have touched Jesus or seen him to receive this same joy. As a matter of fact, when we look at Jesus' own words, he said, people are going to be blessed who believe and haven't seen. And why could he say that? Because he also told us he was going to send us the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit was going to reveal truth to us. And the Holy Spirit was going to take residence in us. And the Holy Spirit was going to foster that relationship between us and Jesus. And so John is saying, I'm writing these things so that you can have the same joy that we have. You don't have to have been there. You can receive him. You can receive Jesus into your life. You could be filled with the Holy Spirit and you could have a life that overflows with the same kind of joy we had. Actually, I mean, I was, I was studying John's life a year or two ago and was just blown away by some of the things that John had written 40 years after Jesus had left the earth. Talking about joy, talking about fullness, talking about a better relationship with him. And he could only say that if it was true. If having the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, filling your life, truly did connect you with Jesus. And I think it's true. I think you're, you're sitting next to some amazing people who also believe it's true. So we have to be people who help other people see the joy. We have to be people who let other people see this love working out in us. And I know it's hard right now. It's hard because we want to be people of joy, but we have to mask. But I'm here to tell you, people can see a smile even through a mask. And some people just need a smile. Some people just need to see that you have joy. That you are excited that they're in the room with you. That you're excited that you might have the opportunity to draw them a little closer to Jesus. And so this is, again, one of the ways we balance the equation. We receive the joy and we give it away to others. We receive salvation. We receive life. And then we look for ways to proclaim it to other people for their joy, for their salvation, for the sake of their eternity. So, let's be people who do that. Sorry, I, I have to end kind of where I started. I've got to bring us back to some mathematical equations because I, I, I guess I just need to prove I'm as big of a math nerd as I'm claiming to be. And so, there, there's two very famous equations that most of you, even if you don't like math, you're probably aware of. The second, I would argue, the second most recognizable equation in all of mathematics is this symbol, pi. Pi is an amazing symbol. And honestly, I think pi has a little bit that points us to the divine. Pi is a constant. It never changes. It doesn't matter what size circle you're trying to measure. The circumference of the circle will always be proportional to the diameter of the circle in relationship to pi. I know that doesn't excite some of you guys, but it excites me. And it shows us that God created a universe of structure, of order. And, and this mathematical constant helps to prove he always does things in a way that makes sense. I mean, obviously, sometimes it was not going to make sense to us. The other thing is, it's a number that goes on forever. If you know anything about pi, once you start equating pi, then the number just keeps on going and never stops. It never repeats. It's eternal. But as cool as all of that is, as cool as 
it goes on forever, as cool as it's this constant. The other really fun part about pi is it reminds us about the truly important things in life, like pi, right? I mean, we, we love pie around here. Uh, we probably haven't had enough of it. We, we serve pizza pies every Thursday, and we're going to do some fun during the series. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss a Sunday during this series. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do a lot of fun things tonight. We're going to have pie at our meeting, but we're also, during this series, going to invite you to enjoy a little bit of pie. So, if you haven't done it already, text the word RIVER to 715-953-4060. If you've already done it, don't worry about it. If you haven't done it yet, pull out your phone, do that. Once a week, we're going to pick one of you guys who are a part of our live services, either here in person, watching on Facebook, or watching our live stream, and we are going to send you a pie. So, and, and I'll even try to reach out to you and find one that you like. If you don't like sweet stuff, which... We'll examine you later if that's the case, but um, we'll send you a pizza pie or we'll send you a chicken pot pie. We'll find something that you enjoy and we'll make sure you enjoy the pie, all right? Uh, if you're gluten-free, we'll, we'll take care of that. If you're keto, we'll just throw some fruit in a pie plan and, and, and hand it to you. And so we, we will make sure it's something you like, but, but go ahead and text that word if you haven't done it already. Let us know you're here. And, and also, throughout the series, if, if you have your email address in there, uh, at noon every Sunday, if you fill that out, we're going to drop a discussion guide. Maybe go get some pie with somebody and discuss what we've learned today. Don't, don't just let this be about us. Let's take it out to other people. Maybe it's just you, you and your family. Today over lunch, you're going to talk about what you learned. That, I think that'd be a great way for us to prove that we really believe this, is to actually talk with people about it. And so some really good discussion questions are going to be dropped in your inbox if we have your correct email address and, and you get it texted in uh, before noon today, the river. So, uh, so that, that is the number one, or sorry, the number two most recognizable equation in mathematics. But probably the most recognizable is this one. E equals mc squared. That is, that is an equation that is recognized worldwide. And, and probably misunderstood worldwide as well. But I mean, the, the smart people probably get it. I, I'm not sure if I fully understand it, but, but it's up there. E equals mc squared. The, the simple version of that is energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. And that, that's a formula that Einstein created to help uh, explain what, how he believed energy worked in the universe. And so it, it's, again, one of those seeming constants out there. But I believe not only does it have a physical application, I think we could steal this and, and repurpose it for our purposes this morning and recognize there's probably a spiritual dimension that you can apply to this as well. And it's this. Spiritual energy equals your mass plus God's speed of light squared. In other words, the square is the presence of Jesus in your life plus the word of God in your life. If you want to balance the equation, if you're in this room and you're saying, I want spiritual energy, I want to see God do things in my life, I want to be a life that showcases the goodness of God, then you've got to take your mass 
this. Or my wife said, take your mess. You know, whatever it is, take it and apply God's truth and apply a relationship with Jesus Christ and see what kind of spiritual energy will come out. The thing is, if you don't do all three, the equation doesn't balance. If all you do is try to cultivate a relationship with Jesus or try to read his word, but you don't apply it to your life, there's no spiritual energy. If you try to just be a really good person in your own strength, just using the mass or the mess that you have and, and try to create spiritual energy, it will never happen. You have to balance the equation. You have to make sure you're taking your life plus the life of God and the light of his word. That's where transformation happens. Let's not just be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves. Let's actually be doers. Let's take this thing and let's prove it. And so a couple ways that you can activate your spiritual life. I want to challenge you. This week, read 1 John. See the language that he uses in here to talk about this truth that we have, this belief that we have that Jesus Christ really is Lord. And maybe keep going. Read, read the book of John or 2nd or 3rd John and see just this amazing proclamation of the truth of who Jesus is. Memorize John, sorry, 1 John 3.16 through 3.19. As I was mentioning, there's kind of some neat parallels between the book of John and the book of 1 John. Most of you in this room, if you've been around Christianity for more than three minutes, you probably know John 3.16. For God so loved the world, right? How many of you know John, 1 John 3.16? I believe it's equally as powerful, and I believe it's something we have to have if we're going to have that kind of spiritual energy. As a matter of fact, I got it ready for us this morning. 1 John 3.16. For we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So, we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's what takes it to the next level. We believe that Jesus Christ loved us, that God sent his only son, but then we give our lives for others. So take some time, memorize this verse and the preceding ones. I think it's a, they're great verses. They're things that we need to have in our hearts. And then take some time this week, develop a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you already have a great relationship. Great relationships mean you have to keep going in. You have to keep spending time in his word. You have to keep going to him in prayer. We have some prayer times uh, Sunday, or Wednesday nights at 7. We have some prayer times uh, on Sundays at 8 in the morning. If, if you want some people around you as you're learning to pray, come and join us during one of those times. Let, let's believe for that relationship to deepen in us as an individual and as us as a church. And then take some time this week and prove your salvation by actually applying what God is speaking to you. If you're having trouble figuring out what that might look like, I want to give you three suggestions that you can do this week to help prove to yourself and to prove to others that God is really moving in you. Number one, find somebody this week you can tell what God is doing in your life. Let them know what God's doing in your life. Two, find somebody this week, could be somebody different, could be the same person. 
Tell them what God's doing in your church. And then number three, find someone this week and just tell them that God loves them. I think those are three simple steps. Maybe God's going to tell you to do something different. Maybe God's going to tell you to do something a little more. But I think if you try those three things this week with someone else, tell them what God's doing in your life. Tell them what God's doing in our church. Tell them that God loves them. You're going to have opportunities to see the life of God lived through you as you pour yourself out for others. So, my challenge to you this week, prove it. Prove it. If Jesus really died, if he really rose from the dead, prove it by the way you live. If he rose, it should change everything about us. So let's be a people dedicated to proving it to the world around us. Can I pray for us? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to hear from your word. I thank you for John, this faithful eyewitness, a man who knew Jesus personally and deeply, a man who went through torture and isolation because he refused to renounce the name of Christ. And this morning, his words are challenging us afresh and anew to realize that you are Lord. To realize that these things really happened. That there were people there who seen it and heard it. And that we have a joy that we are expected to give away to others. That we are expected to sacrificially move beyond our comforts so that other people can hear this truth, that they could respond, and that the proof continues to move forward. God, we, we just ask that you would help us to prove to the world that you really exist. Those of us who have called upon you, we know you're real. We've experienced you in our lives. But help to challenge us to make it real to someone else this week. Help us not just to hoard these blessings to ourselves, but that we would find ways to give life, to give joy, to give hope away, to balance the equation. And we show that you are Lord by our willingness to do the things you've asked us to do. God, I recognize there might be some in this room. There might be some who are watching online. There might be some who come across this recording later. And they don't have a relationship with you. But they're beginning to recognize the truth that you are Lord. Matter of fact, I believe there's some who are going to come in contact with this message. And you can feel it right now. You can feel the Holy Spirit pulling on your heart, drawing you to make a decision to believe this. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer. You can repeat the words aloud after me or you can say them in the quietness of your heart. 
You can use my words or you can use your own words. But I want to encourage you to pray something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my old life. I'm sorry for my sin and my mistakes. I'm turning away from that life now. And I'm turning toward you. Holy Spirit, fill me so that I can live for Jesus every day of my life. God, I thank you for new life. Today, you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. If you're on our online church, click on that button that says, I've accepted Christ. If you're on our Facebook, send us a message. If you're here in this room, come talk to me or or talk to somebody else. You have to let somebody know you've made that decision. You need to confess it and you need to get the resources to help you live a strong, healthy Christian life. For the rest of us, whether you made that decision today or whether you are someone who made it a long time ago, let's prove it. Let's prove what Christ has done by leaving this place with a commitment to let others know what God's doing in us. So with that said, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to let the worship team come. They're going to play one more song. You're welcome to leave at this point or you can stick around for this final song and worship with us. I'm going to be, for those of you who are new, I'm going to actually be slipping out to the lobby. And so I'd love to get to know you and and thank you for being here personally. But let's live this. Let's prove it. Come back next week. We're, We're going to just continue to have more fun with this concept and hopefully learn a little bit better how we can prove our salvation to the world around us. That we could be people who actually live differently because Jesus died for us. So let me bless us as we prepare to sing this song and prepare to go out and prove it to the world. Jesus, we do thank you. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for the salvation you have granted us. And I pray today that we would go out with a boldness to proclaim the truth of our living God. And so as we leave, Jesus I pray that you would bless us and you would protect us. Jesus, I pray that you'd be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And I pray that every day we would walk in your favor and in your peace. As we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Love you guys.